Everything wrong with America is the fault of feminism. Mr. Reagan. So this year, uh, I was asked by Karen Strawn to speak at the International Conference on Men's Issues. So last month, my girlfriend and I packed our bags and we headed to Chicago. And now I have to say, this was a phenomenal experience. First of all, Chicago is a much nicer city than it appears to be if you just watch the news. I mean, every news report out of Chicago is about how violent and crime-ridden it is. Uh, but actually, Chicago is a really, really nice city, despite its corruption and its mismanagement by the local government there. Specifically at the International Conference on Men's Issues, I met pretty much all the stars of the movie The Red Pill, which I love that movie. That was awesome. Obviously, I knew Karen Strawn from you know, or organizing my trip o- over there. But meeting her in person was fantastic. I also got to hang out with one of my favorite guys in the world, Sargon of Akkad, Carl Benjamin. That was very cool. And I got to meet Count Dankula, who I'd never met before, Marcus Meacham. He's also a really great guy. Uh, he came down to LA afterwards, and we hung out a little bit here. Uh, I also got to meet uh, Janice Fiamingo, and I was actually kind of nervous to meet her, because I because I don't know, I guess maybe because she's she was formerly a feminist, and she's, and she's a well-respected academic, and she just seems like a very impressive person. I was kind of nervous to meet her, but she was actually a lovely, lovely person. Very cool. So I got to meet some very, very cool people. And I also made some really good friends. I'll list off a few names here. Uh, Julian Berecci, Daniel Baines, Wyatt Ewart, and of course, we can't forget my new buddy, Philip Tanzer. Philip actually came up to me in the gym, and I thought he worked at the gym, and he was telling me to get out for some reason. And he comes up to me, excuse me, sir? And I was like, yes? And he goes, I'm a big fan. (laughs) So that was great fun. I shouldn't include that, probably. I also spent some time with Gary Franchi. Um, I've known Gary Franchi for a while now. He actually got me my YouTube manager. Uh, Yes, some of us YouTubers have managers. Gary Franchi got me uh, my manager. He's with uh, the Next News Network. And I can't thank Gary enough for all of the, the help he's been to me since I started to gain some success here on YouTube. So he's an awesome guy. He drove me around in his Ferrari, which was awesome. Uh, he's just a really cool dude. And I also got to meet a really great guy named Matthew Termond. And he's he's involved with Project Veritas and some other stuff. Um, he's just a really great guy as well. So all in all, I met some amazing people and I had a really great time. Now they're doing another international conference on men's issues next year, 2020, obviously, um, and that is going to be in Australia. So I highly, highly, highly recommend looking into it at some point this year. I'm sure I'll mention it again on my channel um, in the future, but get your tickets for those. This is a great event. I'll talk a little bit more about Chicago in the other video that I'm going to post here. Uh, That's a panel with some of the other people that I already mentioned here. Okay, let's take a quick break and then we'll get to my speech. If you've been watching the news lately, you'll have seen the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 launch. Those Saturn V rockets really moved. They went from zero to 24,791 miles per hour by the time they reached the moon. And if you plotted their trajectory on a chart, it might look something like this. Except this isn't an Apollo launch. This is the price of gold since June. Now, Noble Gold have been predicting gold taking off since last year. Their Facebook page has been warning of the dangers of keeping all your assets in stocks for months. 
and they were right. If you want a financial cushion for your own splashdown on retirement, you'd better get some gold or silver in your IRA or 401k before it's too late to catch up. Give Noble Gold a call today and start your own mission to a safe landing somewhere exotic. See what they did there? Call Noble Gold today at 877-646-5347 and make sure to mention my name to see if there are any promotions they're running for gold IRA rollovers. Who am I kidding? They have no idea who I am, but definitely ask about their promotions. Call 877-646-5347 or hit the link in the description below. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Sorry about that. You know, I gotta make money, guys. All right, without further ado, my speech at the International Conference on Men's Issues. Mr. Reagan. Our next speaker is an American politician who served as governor of California and the 40th president of the United States. I can't even believe Allison managed to get this. This is a good get. Well known as the second worst president in the history of the United States, his radical Trumpist style of foreign policy involved collusion with hostile foreign governments such as that of Russian President Mikhail Gorbachev. A far-right white male supremacist, he was elected twice by the deeply bigoted red flyover states that we all know are teeming with misogynists, racists, and other horrible, uneducated, rednecky bubbas and cletuses. Here to speak about his far-right agenda, ladies and gentlemen, I give you President Ronald Reagan. Oh, it's him. How the hell am I supposed to follow up that performance? Good Lord. All right, I am not a morning person, so prepare to be disappointed. I want to, uh, I, I tried to figure out what's the best title for this, right? I'm a YouTuber, so I thought something clickbaity might work. Everything wrong with America is the fault of feminism. <laughs> Oh, you guys might like that one. It's not quite what this is about, but it's kind of getting there. In society, we have standards of conduct, right? We have standards of conduct, and these are enforced by unspoken rules. This has been true for our lifetimes, for our parents, grandparents, from the dawn of history, really, from before recorded history. But currently, in 2019, these rules are out of control. There are thousands of rules for every quote-unquote oppressed group in America. Women, ethnic minorities, LGBT, Muslims, immigrants, there are a thousand rules for every one of these groups and subgroups. But the rules seem to only go one way. When it comes to gender, the only people who have to follow rules are men. (laughs) When it comes to race, white people have a lot of rules that we have to follow. Sexuality, straight people have a certain set of rules when talking about or to homosexuals. Religion, Christians are held to a different standard than other people, etc., etc., etc. The rules apply only to the oppressor groups, quote-unquote oppressor groups, so-called oppressor groups. And many of these groups, many of these groups, many of these rules contradict each other. So let's say that you're a guy and you're on uh, a train on the metro and you, you're in a seat and a woman uh, gets on the train. There's no seats free and you think to yourself, maybe I should get up. Now this could be a short woman, a tall woman, a uh, beautiful woman, a uh, crazy SJW clown with blue hair. 
Whatever the case, she looks tired. She's been to work. She's in heels. Just imagine that some SJW clowns wear heels. And you, but you think, I should give her my seat. But then you're like, well, how is she going to respond? I don't know. I don't know how she might respond to this because, you know, we're in 2019. It's crazy. People are unpredictable now. So you're sitting there thinking about it, and she's looking at you, and she's thinking, oh, man, this guy, this, this product of the patriarchy, this toxically masculine male, and his, his male privilege gets to wear sneakers all day, and I have to be in heels because, because I have certain expectations on me, and he's not even getting up to give me his seat. And then you get up to give her your seat, and she thinks, oh, what, you're giving me your, the seat because you think I'm weak? Because I'm a woman? <laughs> So you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. They have so many rules, you don't know what to do in what circumstance to whom. You have to kind of be a psychic if you're in a particular oppressor group today. And this is all about offense, right? Offense, offense based on perception, right? Or maybe misperception. You know, the person who's offended, what are they thinking that you're thinking? And it doesn't matter what you're really thinking, it only really matters what they think you thought. Right? But here's the twist, and this is kind of the crux of my point here today, which is why is this so pervasive? Why do we have these aggressive people telling us what to do all the time and what to say and how to act? Now, I think that the rules of society seem not so much to be dictated by the groups that are affected by these rules, but rather mostly by women. And this is not all women, of course, obviously. Uh, we have some spectacular women here today. But it's a very specific breed of woman. Let's call them the SJW women. Right? But these, these complicated and ill-defined rules, they're not really about justice and equality. You know, they always say, well, I want justice and equality. No, you don't. What they're really about is power. And it's not the kind of power that you're thinking. Like, women in CEO positions or, you know, women in government. It's not really about that. It's really about personal power. And that's why the rules are so complicated and contradictory. And yes, these SJW women, they want to push feminism forward. They want to push, you know, ethnic minorities forward and LGBT folks and immigrants and Muslims. They do want to push all of these groups forward into positions of power, you know, like, you, like they always talk about, you know, positions of government, CEO positions, stuff like that. But many of them, many of the women who develop and enforce these rules, they're really doing so because they want to control the people around them, right? Their family, their friends, strangers. And the more power that we give them as a society, or the more that we accept these ridiculous rules, the more power they have, right? The more everybody accepts it. If their family accepts the SJW rules, they have power over their family. If their friends do, they have power over their friends. But if we all do, they have power over all of us. We can get into an Uber, and suddenly we are subject to the authority of some random SJW woman sitting next to us. And think about it like this. Who enforces... Those who enforce the rules in society, right, they have all the power, like legal rules, like the law. If you get into a car accident, you really don't want the guy in the other car to be a police officer, or a lawyer, or a judge. Try suing those guys, that's pretty tough. They have a huge advantage. The reason they have a huge advantage is because the law is very complicated. 
And the same goes for social law, right? Those with, the, with knowledge of all these complicated laws, they have all the power. And that's why these rules are so complicated, convoluted, and contradictory. These women, they want you to know that they know the rules, right? And they will berate you for any misstep. And they want you to know that they will berate you for any misstep because that gives them power over your behavior, right? And most of society, let's be honest, terrified of these women. A lot of us modify our behavior every day because we're afraid we'll get berated by an SJW woman. And most of society, they conform to these insane standards because they just don't want to be attacked and, and the women know that, right? It's, it's sort of like terrorism, really, now that I think about it. <laughs> so the reason that they do this stuff, the point is not improving oppressed groups and improving the lives of oppressed people or whatever. It is lording power over people. And we all know women like this. They, they overhear your conversation and they inject themselves into it only to tell you that you are a racist. Oh, by the way, I heard you two talking. Yeah, you're a racist. Or you're a sexist. You're a homophobe. Okay, you're what's wrong with this country. You guys ever hear that? You're what's wrong with this country? I've been told that a few times. <laughs> and and the, the truth is we can never stop this. Because there will always be people who want, like super judgmental people who want to lord their authority over you. You know, I think up until recently, judgmental people were just annoying. But now because we've given them so much authority through these bizarre rules, they... Uh, they have power now. They have actual quasi-legitimacy, at least in their own minds. And some men do this too, obviously. We're all aware of the crazy SJW men in the various YouTube clips that we've all watched. Uh, but these men are what I call the bitches of the SJW women. They are on leashes, right? <laughs> they're, either, they're, they're either academic leftist cocks. You guys know that word? Yeah. And, uh, or they are the SJW activists trying to get laid. They're the guys that have, you know, this is what a feminist looks like t-shirts and then get arrested for rape a couple years after the women's march. So why, why, do, why are there so many women, so few men? My theory is that men sort of naturally assert themselves physically. You want to go, bro? You want to front? You want to step up to me? Right? We, we are a little bit more aggressive. Right? We, 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 uh, we try to use size and musculature to intimidate other people, whereas women don't, it's not as effective for them. Unless, of course, they're a Georgian politician who is told that she has too many items in the express line, and then she'll come after you like a raging rhinoceros. But other than her, <laughs> did, you see that, did you see that interview? That guy was like a hobbit, and she was like an orc. Okay? <laughs> And she was like, I was afraid for my life. <laughs> you weren't afraid of crap, lady. All right. <laughs> but we see this in children, right? We see this with children. Guys know to assert themselves a bit physically. Women get bossy. The little girls get bossy. We all, we've all heard about this little girl's a little bossy. She's a little bossy. You don't typically hear about boys being a little bossy. So it's something that's innate. It's something that people have from a young age. And this has been happening forever. Women have been like this forever. I mean, some, some women. You, you re can read about this in Jane Austen. If you've ever read Jane Austen, uh, I've read a lot of Jane Austen. Don't ask me why. It's just I have. And, uh, she, but she was actually quite brilliant. She was a, she was, 
she could assess personalities. She could go around a room, a fictional room, and she could identify all the people of her day, and she could give you what they were acting like, and then she could give you what they were real, really like. She could tell you what the, the truth was behind the facade. And sometimes she would talk about these you know, matriarchal, overbearing women who wanted to control everyone around them. It, it's amazing if you read the, this stuff. I mean, this is like the 18th century, and a lot of the people are just like people we know today. It's very odd. These women all want you to submit to their authority. And a really great example of this is the Kathy Newman interview with Jordan Peterson. Everybody see that? <laughs> that, was, that was a gem, obviously. Brilliant example. But this is an example of having no intention to offend, but offending nevertheless. Not only was he not saying anything offensive, she was in front of the camera mischaracterizing literally everything he said, to use a AOC word, literally. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, trying to show how he broke one of her arbitrary rules that didn't make any sense. And he'd say, no, no, that's, that's not what I said. He'd clarify, and then she'd again mis mischaracterize what he'd said. It was, it was crazy. So yeah, you don't have to say the wrong thing. You just have to be perceived as having said the wrong thing. So what are the consequences of this? What, what is the, like, you know, how does this affect us? How does it affect a society more than just being annoying? Well, social rules can eventually be made into law, right? In Finland, in 2002, a man got a speeding ticket for $12 million. <laughs> this is real. And he wasn't going particularly fast. He was going about 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. Because in Finland, your tickets are calculated as a percentage of your income. He was a rich guy. Now, some people might think that's okay because, you know what, if he's that rich, maybe the only thing that's going to curb that behavior is a $12 million fine. I happen to think it's a little exorbitant. <laughs> maybe put a cap on that law. Uh, but even if you think that's okay, think about the people on welfare. You'd be giving them money if they're speeding, right? It's calculated by income. Presumably there's a, a bottom level speeding ticket. I don't know. But if they do have no incentive or very little incentive to stop speeding, you're really just letting the poor people commit crimes and finding the rich people like crazy. And it just, it just goes to show how some of these SJW type ideas, once put into law, can get a little nutty. But we do have these ideas embedded into law in America. They're just not embedded into the federal government or the state government or the municipal governments. They are embedded into corporate laws. So if you work in a corporation, you may be subject to very bizarre SJW ideas. And we, you can get fired just for expressing an idea. I mean, look, at, look at what happened at Google. What's that guy's name? You guys remember? Thank you. You're awesome. I love, this. I love these people. James Damore, that, that guy. I mean, that's crazy. And then look, every single one of us who has a YouTube channel, probably, except maybe the uh, womanizer guys over there. <laughs> uh, almost all of us are demonetized or censored or restricted, you know. And this is incredibly concerning. The, these companies have an unprecedented degree of control over the dissemination of information in the current era, in America specifically, but in the world as well. And we are all concerned about 
the influence they're going to have on the 2020 election. They're using the rules of social justice to silence conservatives. So how do we fix this? I have a couple of ideas about that, probably ineffective. You guys can tell me in the Q&A. But one of my solutions, one of my ideas, is we have to be able to individually stand up against this stuff, right? And I don't think we do that enough, really, in society. If we get called out for something or somebody kind of goes off on us for breaking their arbitrary rules, a lot of times we just don't want to deal with the crazy. So we say, yeah, no, yeah, okay, okay, and we move on. But I think what really needs to happen is, say you're talking to your Asian friend about the shape of Asian eyes. He's laughing hysterically. You guys are like slapping each other on the back, having a good old time, and some girl comes over and whispers, ah, I hate to tell you this, but that's racist and you're a horrible person. So you need to turn to her and say, listen, psychopath, <laughs> what you're doing here is you're trying to control my behavior and my language, and that's not going to happen. All right? And if you keep annoying the hell out of me, I'm going to talk about how much physically weaker women are than men. <laughs> or I'm going to start talking about skin tone. Oh, my God. Not allowed to talk about anything in society today. But we need to be able to do that. We need to have the freedom to express ourselves, to make jokes, to have fun. And these women need to be told that. They need to be embarrassed. You need to be a little cruel. And I don't ever recommend this to anyone for any reason. Well, okay. <laughs> Maybe to Antifa or something. But, but typically, I, 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 I usually tell people, be nice to the left. Because right now we're at a time when leftists are starting to figure out that the left is crazy. I'm being a right-wing person, obviously. And they're starting to either move to the right or they're starting to be independent. And who knows what it's going to become, right? Because you've got the sort of radical crazies. And then you have some relatively rational people on the left. And then you've got the right, which is my side, which I think is the best. Um, <laughs> So typically I say be nice to them because their friends are going to disown them eventually for being white or male or something. And they're going to have to find a home. And if you're kind to them, they'll recognize that our side is the nice side. And I don't necessarily mean the right. It could just be the rational people, right? The sensible people who have sensible discussions. Join our group. <clears throat> and I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to get up and embarrass somebody in public. And not everybody can do that. Not everybody has the ability to do that. And, and not everybody even has the ability to do that in terms of their... <laughs> in terms of, uh, you know, they're afraid they're going to lose their job. You can't do it in the workplace most of the time. You're afraid you're going to get fired. Do not lose your job over this. Unless you really hate your job, and then go for it. But for those of us who can, we must. We must. We must... Get in the face of these people, usually women, but also the beta males that we all despise. And we need to just own them. We need to tear them apart. We need to embarrass them in front of their friends. And that, I think, it will actually be effective. It's a horrible solution, but I think it's a, it's, it's a real one. The other thing that we can do is something that's out of most people's control. I do think that we need a new kind of media that doesn't pump SJW propaganda into everybody's homes all the time. 
And this is something that's a little bit difficult to get going. Um, I live in LA, so I'm going to give it a shot, guys. <laughs> but look, the vast majority of the projects that come out of Hollywood, we just accept it. You know, we just watch this stuff and we say, listen, if I don't just suffer through ingesting this SJW message, I'm never going to be able to watch another movie for the rest of my life. So if we want to be entertained at all, we just have to kind of suffer through it and deal with it. The leftists don't do that. They never really do that. Which is why when they do see something vaguely not you know, on message, they lose their minds and it becomes a big deal. But I think that there is an appetite now. If you look at a lot of the projects that are coming out of Hollywood, they're set in the 1980s. Why is that? I have a theory about this. I think society has a fondness for the 1980s right now, not just because of the style, although it was quite fly, as they say, but, but also because I think we're kind of looking for a purpose, a lot of us today. We're looking for some substance. We're looking for some kind of values. And I think they were doing the same thing in the 80s. And I think we look at that time as maybe something more wholesome than we see today. And if you watch films from the 80s, or television shows from the 80s, you'll see a lot of stuff from the, that were, was set in the 50s and the 60s. And why was it set back then? I think a lot of time, like a lot of people in the 80s were also looking for some substance, looking for something. And I think in times where people are looking for something greater than just, you know, the BS that they, that they find in the world, something significant in their lives, they do have a nostalgia for a time that they felt had a little bit more of that, was a little bit more significant. And so I think in 2019, we actually are, as a society, looking for some some traditional values or something of substance. And, society, and, and, and Hollywood isn't getting it. They're just making films that are set in the 80s and they're not putting the substance in. The, I think in the 90s, they shifted from traditional values to values that were like, let's talk about the environment, let's talk about feminism, let's talk about racial issues, and let's just skip all the traditional stuff, like be a good person, who needs that? That's not a real value. But now people want that kind of stuff. They want more substance in their in their films and their television shows and i'm not saying make you know make projects that are like i walked with jesus today i'm not talking about that kind of stuff i just mean an entertaining excellently shot excellently produced project without an sjw message if we could just do that i think that it would help influence the culture a lot and i'm going to try to get that started i think conservatives there's a lot of conservatives out there a lot of them have some money People need to invest in that kind of stuff. And I'm not quite sure how it's going to happen, but I think there's something organic happening now that will push it forward. But again, that doesn't apply to everybody. Most people, that does, you know, they, they're not in Hollywood. They don't have any access to that. But what you do have access to is YouTube. <laughs> and a lot of people like me, you know, we find ourselves kind of lucky that there's a huge demand for the kind of stuff that I'm putting out. And there's not a ton of supply. I mean, there's more now than there was. But, but you guys can all start a YouTube channel. Some guys have. And you can put forward your ideas. And you can talk about stuff. And maybe it'll take off and maybe it won't. But it's worth a shot. And I think that, you know, if you have something to say, you should maybe think about it. Uh, but also definitely uh, give the, the ladies that are berating you for being a racist or a sexist or something, give them hell. So, anyway, so that's how I think we fix all the problems in America, which are, as we all know, caused exclusively by feminism. Thank you, that's it. That's, that's good.
All right, line up at the mic. I do want to share an anecdote while you guys are gathering um, and say <laughs> my uh, boyfriend and his buddy were sitting and having coffee in a Starbucks and uh, they were talking some <clears throat> blue language and, and uh, blue topics and one of the women at the next table pulled the busybody thing, right? And she says, do you mind? You guys are being so racist or whatever it was, misogynist or whatever. And it, my boyfriend's friend turned in his chair and he said, you're not part of this conversation, so you can just turn right around, bitch. And then just went back to talking. And she had no clue what to do with that. She was, she, I think she almost peed her pants, right? And because nobody, nobody had ever spoken to her that way. Nobody had ever told her no, let alone told her in a way like that. So that it is doable. He wasn't arrested. He wasn't kicked out of the Starbucks. She just turned around and shut up and, and looked like she'd just been forced to eat bird poo. So um, here you go. I give you uh, your Q&A. I love Karen. She's so supportive of my... Isn't she great? Yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I, I didn't even make them clap, Karen. They just did it all on their own. <laughs> G'day, Chris. Uh, excellent stuff. Like a lot. Um, more criticism of the view required, please. Much, <laughs> yeah, much, I know, I know. Much, i got to get back more. onto that. Yeah. Um, it, it seems absolutely inevitable that Google is going to affect the outcome of the 2020 US elections, and that has global implications, obviously, and I know you've spoken on it um, to so, at some length. What's, what's the answer? What, what's the solution to well, that? Well, my answer is actually kind of controversial for a conservative. I actually want them to be regulated. And, and that's not something I ever talk about, you know, for any, you know, any issue, because regulation is obviously, a, you know, a problem for most conservatives in most areas. But there is a place for regulation sometimes. There, there's this idea like, okay, well, maybe we, we trust bust them. I think that's the Elizabeth Warren solution. I don't think she wants to trust bust them because they're anti-conservative, but she has her other reasons. But, and that's an interesting idea. Um, but my problem with that is that I think if we, let's say we bust them into four different companies, then do we just have four different SJW companies, you know? Um, to me, this is, uh, if you curtail the right of Google or Twitter or Facebook or YouTube to, if you curtail their right to curtail our rights, <laughs> you're actually only... You're only limiting the speech of one entity and freeing up the speech of millions. And so, I mean, it's, it's one of these ethical dilemmas. You know, what, what's your principle here? What's, and, and what is the effect? And I think politics is all about ethical dilemmas. It's all, I have a story about this. Like, but it's essentially, you know, how many, you know, which group do you kill? Do you kill this hundred or do you kill this million? Somebody's got to die. Which one, which one do you kill? Well, of course you kill the hundred, not the million. Um, and this is what I say always about being dispassionate when it comes to politics. You know, if you're a politician, you have to be dispassionate because if you've got to kill the hundred to save the million, what if your family's in the hundred? Then emotion comes into it. Then you lose your mind. Then, of course, you kill the million because you want to save your family. Well, that's obviously the wrong choice. So politics is all about ethical dilemmas and being dispassionate. And I think despite the fact that I have a very emotional... Uh, <laughs> 
uh, a feeling uh, against regulation. I think in this case, sensible regulation is appropriate. That's what I think. Hi there. Um, listening to your speech, it evoked something in me and something we talked about before. Um, when we oppose SJWs on the street, mm -hmm. that's easy, but I talked to a couple of people here that lost contact to family members yeah. because of their belief. And that actually reminded me of the Bible. Um, because Jesus said, well, if your parents are not on board, leave your parents behind yeah. and follow the truth. And SJW is a new religion. Yeah. Um, and maybe the truth is what we are doing. Maybe that is the new religion. And I'm not, I'm not replacing um, Christianity. Politics, yeah, 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 no, yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm not doing that. And no, it's I know not you're about not. Rest life. But um, we might have to abandon people that we love um, if we want to follow truth, which is very painful. Yeah, it, you know, this is actually a, a, a terrible um, situation that we're put in a lot of times because I don't tend to find, and you guys can tell me if you disagree, but, uh, uh, well, maybe you can't, but you can shout out if you want. I, uh, <laughs> I do tend to find that on the right, or at least with libertarians or sensible people, we tend to want to talk to the people that disagree with us. And, and, and that's because I think we don't usually think of our opposition as evil. We think of them as uninformed right, or misinformed. And we want to have a discussion so that we can see which idea is better. But the left, especially the SJW types, they, they see us as evil. They see anybody who doesn't agree with them as evil. And if you think somebody's evil, you don't want to be contaminated by that, right? You don't even want to involve yourself with that. And that's a huge problem because then if you don't want to get infected by somebody, you don't touch them. And that's not the way that this works. You know, ideas are meant to infect you. You know, the good ideas should infect you. Uh, you know, it's like a kid. You want him to get some germs when he's little so he doesn't end up, you know, total pussy when he grows up. You know, <laughs> unable to deal with any kind of uh, illness. So, so in the same way, you know, people just have to expose themselves to ideas that are un uncomfortable. And I guess, you know, I, I did this video the other day about entitlement, uh, entitled young people, specifically un entitled black people which is an incredibly uh, controversial thing for a white guy to talk about. Um, but I specifically did it because I wanted to make the point that um, people shouldn't be restricted from talking about other groups just because they're not in them. You know, if you start doing that, you restrict you know, millions of brilliant people from addressing the problems of other groups. That was kind of why I was talking about that. But uh, we have a huge entitlement problem. You know, pe pe we, we, are, we are in an era that where everything is so great and so wonderful that... Uh, People are, people are looking for reasons to, 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 to push against things, you know, because they're just too, too comfortable in their bubble. And I think we have to instruct the youth of today and the youth of tomorrow that you have to go face things that are uncomfortable in your use, youth so that you're prepared to face uncomfortable things when you get older. And that's something that's just not happening anymore, which is hugely problematic, mainly because we're not, you know, starving or... You know, we're all, we're all pretty good. We're just too rich, I think. <laughs> How are you doing? My question is more in the broader context of conservatives speaking in a men's issues conference. First of all, I can imagine as a conservative that you probably have a pretty high opinion of marriage as a legal or a social good. Um, I hang out with almost exclusively conservatives because 
I always say they have a monopoly on character right now. I can disagree with conservative and have a beer, and it's great. Uh, with a person on the left, it tends to be more bricks to the head, which I'm not really a fan of. Barring any uh, legal reforms, barring any other adjustments in society, in the here and now, with all of the power disparities and unhealthy abuses of men inside legal marriage and common law marriage, how do you reconcile uh, your conservative belief in the value of marriage with a lot of the negative traits and um, problems that a guy could have uh, in that institution? Sure. This is like the MGTOW argument. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I kind of, it, in some sense, I agree with the MGTOW argument. I mean, I, look, if, if you don't want to get screwed in your life, never get married. Uh, 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 but, but sometimes you just fall in love with people. You know, and, uh, you, you know, you just make that sacrifice. We act stupid for love, man. And uh, I, I don't, I would never stop a guy, you know, I would never tell a guy, look, don't, don't, uh, don't get married because uh, she might screw you. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> you just do it. I mean, if, if you're like desperately in love with somebody and you want to be with them for the rest of your life, what are you going to do? I mean... Uh, look, look, uh, when it comes to the kids, uh, we all know that it's a benefit for the kids. In life, you've got to take risks. You've got to make sacrifices for people that you love. That's it. Uh, my, my, my cousin got screwed big time in, in all of this stuff. It happened to him. And, uh, but I was lucky. I mean, in my family, there's never been a divorce except for him. But other than him, uh, I mean, we have like, I don't know, maybe 50 marriages in my family. We have a lot of people in my family, <laughs> Uh, uh, but never, never in the history of my family was there a divorce, except for this one woman who screwed over my cousin. So we're all very sensitive to that, for sure. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when you want to have a family and you, you love somebody and you want to make that work, I mean, what are you going to do? You, you have to make the sacrifice. Thank you. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Yeah, it, so it's, it's tragic and very complicated that there are so many rules now. Yep. But don't we live in a, a tragic, complicated world, and it's ever more interconnected, and if uh, a feminine role is to uh, sort of have this relational power and try to mend, it doesn't it come nat- wouldn't it seem natural that, that the SJW mindset would be more feminine and that uh, um, you know, they would, they're just trying to cope with a uh, ever more complicated, tragic uh, understanding of, of everything. So um, I guess as a conservative, um, what would be your advice for uh, coping with a, a ever more a tragic, uh, complicated, ever more interconnected world? That is a beautiful question. I love this question. You can clap for this question. I like this guy. He's, ch- he's, ch- he's making me work. He's making me work. All right. I got a good answer for you, I think. Okay, so I was watching, I did this video the other day um, about strong black women, right? The idea of the strong black woman. This is a cultural thing. The strong black woman. I'm a strong black woman. Maxine Waters talks about this. And I watched this uh, TED Talk about uh, the angry black woman, right? Which I think the angry black woman and the strong black woman are kind of synonymous a little bit. So I'm watching this TED Talk and this woman says that she is perceived as an angry black woman, right? 
And, uh, you know, she's a professional. She, she started working out of college, and she had this uh, intensity about her, and people started to complain that they felt like she was too aggressive and she was unpleasant to be around and that she needed to maybe be a little bit more reasonable. And she did a whole TED Talk on how she shouldn't have to change, but that the entire universe had to change around her to conform to her flipping insanity because she couldn't figure out that she was actually the problem. And the, the truth is, look, you're going to come across people who are you're going to find uncomfortable and unpleasant. You know, I mean, I've had to deal with this my whole life. And we're just different. I mean, the more... And, and there's, a, there's an argument to be made against multiculturalism. You know, you hear Lauren Southern talking about this quite a bit, or you used to before she, when she had her YouTube channel. And uh, people call her a racist and think she's horrible. And, but look, some cultures have a harder time integrating than other cultures. And does that mean that we should not have any kind of cultural integration or mixing ever? No, I don't think so. But it, it's something to think about. It's something to concern yourself about. Um, you know, maybe our politicians have to think about that when they're letting people in to the country. What culture are they from? How easy is it for these people to integrate? That sort of thing. Um, but on a personal level, I, you know, some people are more easygoing and some people have a much harder time dealing with other people. But at the end of the day, that's really their issue. Because unless somebody is doing something that is, that is actually horrible, you know, unless you're actually physically attacking somebody or you're berating somebody or you're doing something that will, you know, genuinely hurt somebody. I mean, I know that this is used a lot, like, oh, no, no, your, your speech is violence. Your speech hurts me. You know, but obviously that's BS, you know. It's just people have to stop being so overly sensitive about everything. There are a lot of comedians that I find to be uncomfortable. I listen to their bits, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not fond of this. But I find a lot of the other stuff funny, so I sit through it, <laughs> you know, and I deal with it. You've you got to kind of put yourself through some stuff in life, and you're, you're, gonna, you're going to not like everything that you hear. There's no way to deal with it other than just deal with it, I think, sometimes. So, so everyone needs thicker skins, basically? Not everybody, but just the people who are... Wussies. Is that, a, is that a word? Did I make that up? <laughs> um, earlier, you said that you were okay with uh, regulating Google to prevent, the, uh, prevent this manipulation of information. Uh, I, yeah, I think, actually think it's a good idea. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, um, what difference would you say there is between that and forcing a Christian bakery to, uh, to serve a uh, gay wedding? <laughs> I think the difference is the impact, right? Like a, a mom-and-pop bakery. Well, I mean, there, there's several different uh, uh, problems with it. Um, when you're talking about the bakery thing, you're talking about um, kind of a freedom of expression thing of the bakery, for sure. Um, but the, the truth is the bakery isn't stopping anyone from speaking. They can bake a cake for the gay couple, and the couple can go home, and write, we're gay on the cake themselves. Gay people are awesome, you know. Uh, forcing, people to do, forcing people to speak and stopping people from speaking, um, I think, are very different things that we need to regulate in two different ways. If you are a neo-Nazi and you go to a Jewish bakery, you know, do they have to make a swastika cake? You know? <laughs> do we have to make KKK cakes? Uh, black people make KKK? I mean... 
forcing people to say something they don't want to say is, I think, just, just as bad or worse than stopping people from saying something. So I, I think actually the victim in both of these cases um, are, in the, in the case of the bakery, it's the baker, and in the case of Google, it's the, it's the user, or, you know, Google or, or YouTube, it's the people trying to speak through these, these conduits and, the, and they're being stifled. That's how I perceive it. Do, do you have another way of perceiving it that you, you want to? Well, admittedly, this is kind of like a general social media Silicon Valley thing, but I think this might apply to Google. There's an argument that uh, Google it technically has its own freedom of expression, and it could choose, or it should be able to choose whether or not it shows certain things. Right, right, because, because the whatever the people are saying reflects on them or something like that. Is that what you mean? More or less, I think. Right, yeah. Right. But the whole point of the the whole point of YouTube specifically is to facilitate communication. That, that, that's our whole business model. Is you guys get to say what you want to say. So nobody thinks that everybody on YouTube represents YouTube. I mean, nobody thinks that because there's just millions of people. There's no way YouTube could actually have all of those contradictory beliefs at the same time. I mean, it's a ridiculous idea. So there's no there's no there's no confusion there, you know. Thank you. What's that? Platform. It's a platform. Mm. Right. Yeah, it's a different thing than a, than a bakery. <clears throat> Hit me. Hi, Chris. Hit uh, me. We, we have the same brain. I'm big, oh, good. Great. I'm big C. Yeah. But uh, Karen said something after the end about speaking out. And mm. I'm like you. Because I can, I must, and yeah. I do. Thanks. However, when I spoke out, I'm a 21-year vet. Yeah. I was a senior officer. You're terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a coffee place reading the paper, chilling out. Three crazy ladies speaking out extremely loud. This is in England, so be careful. What's happening in England is coming oh, here. Oh, what's happening in England is it's insanity. Yeah. SJW laws. It's coming here. So anyway, I had a coffee. I had to leave the scene, went inside, came back out after 45 minutes. They're still there. I got a phone call. That's why I went outside. I didn't want to disturb people. These right. ladies were so loud and obnoxious and cussing. I asked them, I said, Look, excuse me, I, I can't hear my friend. Do you mind keeping it down just a little? Right. Really polite. Yeah. They told me to fuck off. You're a tosser. Now, tosser in England means you're a jerk off. Somebody who yeah. does that. Yeah. That offended me. It upset me. And I'm not the kind of guy that takes things lightly. So, right. and I was bigger than I am now. Uh, so I said to them, I, I instantly thought, what's the worst thing I can say back equal to what they said? So I used the C word. And I've never used that in my life. So it was deliberate. It's a beautiful word. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, I got arrested. Yeah. I got arrested. 21-year yeah. vet. I had to... I didn't take any um, plea bargaining or whatever. I went to court. I paid like three grand to defend myself with a lawyer. I lost. Why? Because the law over there is if you offend someone, that's all that matters. It's completely insane. I was arrested, so now I've, I feel like I'm coming out. I'm a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> I am a criminal, and I don't like it. What was your, However, name, again? What was your name again? Ken Jolivet. Hello, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but I will do it again. <laughs> I'm not an activist in that way, but I think I am now, and I will do it again. So that, I don't know what, 
I had to tell you that, but how do you respond? No, that's amazing, man. I, look, yeah, what's happening in, in England, it's got to it's change, obviously. We've got to fix that because it is... You cannot arrest people for expressing an idea. It's just so stupid. Even if it's... Somebody once said... Now, I, I don't know who said this. Somebody, I think somebody in my comment section, to be honest. They said, look, the speech that needs to be protected is the ugly speech. <clears throat> Nobody needs to protect the beautiful speech. Nobody needs to protect the speech that we all agree is good. We, all, we need to protect the speech that we all find uncomfortable, at least some people find uncomfortable, because that's the speech that's most important. Uh, I feel pressured right now to give the microphone to somebody. So give me a second. David, you have a very, very brief question. Do you? Do you? That's well, unfortunate. Because <laughs> we're out of time and we're going over. So if you can make it quick, and if you can make it quick, I know you love to hear yourself talk, but... Uh, well, that's the, that's the real that's problem. That's why I'm a YouTuber. Yeah, that's the real problem. We come up and ask a short question, and we get an answer that lasts forever. But any case, <laughs> that's you, Chris. Oh, I'm really getting it today, huh? <laughs> All right, hit um, me, man. Just, just, uh, just by the side, they can always go to another bakery. You can't go to another site. You try and start your own site, and Google and these major big tech firms, they control... All the, you know, all the apparatus that you need to work with. So it's essentially a monopoly. It's not the same thing at all. It's a monopoly. But here's what I wanted to say. Uh, I very much appreciated your argument or your discussion about uh, breaking, about applying antitrust laws to these essentially private companies. Now, I've written three articles about that for American Thinker, PJ Media, and some people agree with me, but the talkback that I get very often is, these are private companies, leave them alone. They are free under Article 280 of the United States Code to say what they wish to say, etc., etc. The whole point that I think is being missed is that we are dealing with what is called an information economy. Yeah. In other words, information has become a product. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's Procter & Gamble or any other major company that is monopolizing the market, it is fair law to use antitrust legislation against their monopolistic concerns. If information is a product, just like toothpaste or anything else, otherwise why is it called the information economy, then it is fair to break up these companies in order to apply fair, uh, a fair you know, dispensation of justice. But the other thing is, and this was what my editor at PJ Media, Paula Bolliard, said, because she's worried about the same thing. What about all these little companies? They're going to... Yeah you apply the same law to these little companies because they are equally subject to the antitrust legislation. So it's not, that really isn't the problem. And what I'm very pleased about is that Donald Trump, as just as you probably know, convened several sessions with these major firms in order to work against their control, their monopolistic control of the product of information. Sure. So he's yeah. got the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. And, uh, yeah. And he also just convened a, a meeting with a bunch of YouTubers, and I wasn't invited. But a lot of my friends were, and I was offended. No, I wasn't really. I'm, I'm not that big. I'm not that big. All right, I think that's it. Yes, that is it. Ladies and gentlemen, President Ronald Reagan. All right, that's it for me. I hope you like this, and I hope you do consider going to the International Conference on Men's Issues next year in Australia. And just remember... It's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Good night.